Here we have a story about a couple of billies Get rich quick, man that seems kinda silly I mean, from dynasty to redraft, really? Ain't no way they about to make this quarter milli Feel me? Nah man, I really don't This the GOAT district, they win whenever they want This the big time though, they're playing against savants Gotta wonder if they're prepared or if they'll bomb Look, let's quick run through a checklist I only got a minute, but I want you to get this Experience, yes Evaluation, yes VBD, yes Sleeper picks, yes Well sheesh, now you get it I ain't even lying Go ahead, pick up the rhyme Spit a couple of lines Spell it out for people so they can feel it in their spine G-O-A-T, greatest of all time It's the corner Millie Billy's on a quest for the best FFPC is a test for the rest G-O-A-T, gonna flex, that's a yes Matter of fact, Say less, say less, it's the quarter milli billies on a quest for the best FFPC is a test for the rest G-O-A-T, gonna flex, that's a yes Matter of fact, say less, say less Alright, it is Thursday, July 29th Welcome back, Fantasyland, into the GOAT District Your host, Andrew Schellenberg, at AM Schellenberg on Twitter Clutch Like Shelly, in the draft rooms uh, bringing you an afternoon fantasy football delight edition of the Half Millie Billies. So, so far on this channel, we've uh, on this offseason, we've done a number of these Half Millie Billies focusing on first setting the ADP with a draft board review from the FFPC Revelations draft in early May. Reviewed a couple of football guys, uh, a couple of Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, the KFFSC draft boards. Uh, we've also done four live uh, football guys with Theo Greminger, a fellow GOAT in the GOAT district, uh, and other friends of the podcast. But now it is July, basically August recording, and so everyone's starting to turn their attention to the FFPC's main events drafts. Uh, so starting with some history, we did one main event draft live in Vegas in 2019, built a team that today's guests may have appreciated, maybe not, a Devontae, Julio, Tyler Lockett team with Mark Ingram in the fifth. All that was going great until it flamed out miserably on account of O.J. Howard in the third round. And I think that that year was notoriously light on running back injuries, which we never root for but always appreciate, um, and had nothing to do with my managerial abilities. Uh, currently on an exponential growth rate related to these main event drafts. Uh, had two paid entries last year. Uh, worked out those and some football guys such that they were uh, – Lucked into four, yeah, count them four free uh, free rolls in main events uh, in 2021. Uh, so me and, and some friends, we started off this year with a, a slow draft beginning on July 4th, along with I think there was like seven or eight other slow main events uh, that FFPC kicked off that day. Um, you know, guys, it's all about the journey and the friends we uh, we meet and talk to along the way. So if I boned up this draft or any other draft, uh, you know, hopefully I learned from it. Uh, maybe more importantly, the listeners who, uh, you know, all of you I love and care and cherish deeply, uh, you all get better at my expense, my entry expense. So uh, that's what we're here to do today. I was in the 12 spot for the draft that we're going to review. Uh, the 12 spots fate, uh, if you've ever been there, and especially these high stakes draft events, is almost, you know, their fate is almost exclusively in Team 11's hands. Uh, so let's introduce today's guests uh, who were in the 11 spot. It will be interesting dynamic on how we were feeling. Uh, so let me intro the guests. One of today's guests is formerly of Establish the Run, currently at NBC Sports Edge, but he hasn't gone full Peacock yet because his FFPC Dynasty Pros versus Joe's team still says he's ETR Pat. Uh, he's a master of the Hyper Rojo and the legendary RB strategy, though I'm not quite sure if those two are mutually exclusive. Uh, and to me, he was on Justin Herbert before it was cool to do so. The other guest on today is mainly here 
to talk about the new NBA Top Shot legendary drop today. Uh, you know, my spot's in a couple hours. Maybe he was already been in and, and lost out. I don't know. We'll see. Um, he's an underdog brand influencer, ETR video maker, and maybe his best content, uh, writer of the Daily Fantasy Life Digest email. Absolutely hilarious content, uh, dripping with personality. Together, they are on my personal Mount Rushmore of influencers, my influential bands, my MySpace of influencers for this podcast. Next to Pardon My Take, Bill Simmons and Chasing the Helmet podcast. They are streaming basically all the time, but almost always at 9 p.m. on Wednesday nights. It's Pat Crane, Pete Overzet of Ship Chasing. Boys, now that the podcast is half over, welcome to the show. <laughs> that was a robust so intro right there. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. The, the joke writers were hard at work, so hopefully that was uh, appreciated by guests and, and listeners alike. Yeah, no, definitely. We never, I mean, I've gotten so lazy with my intros on podcasts where I don't even do intros. I just start talking. Uh, and now you reminded me what it's like to be a professional. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, I, I get it from the uh, the old Blink-182. It's just, uh, I think they did a live show and they said, we're, we're professionals. They just professionally suck and they professionally act like a bunch of assholes on stage. So <laughs> that's, the, that's the way to do it. All right, so so we'll jump into the board, but a couple of questions before we start. Uh, Pat, first question to you. I mentioned it in your intro. When are you going to change your dynasty name on the uh, FFPC Pros versus Joes and go full Peacock? And then two. two well, that's a that. good, that's a good. Oh, yeah, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, please, it's please. a good question because I I uh, I draft so I I did that last year, kind of on behalf of ETR. I think like ETR kind of got the invite. I was their dynasty guy, so I need to know. Yeah. I need to actually need to look into what do I need to hand that off to. Anthony Amico is now doing their dynasty content or is yeah, that you, my team? I should bring it to NBC. I'm not sure like what the, cause I would like to continue managing that team, but I don't know what, uh, what proper, proper recourse is there. Okay. Yeah, no, you got some, you got some youth on, youth on that team. So I guess second question there, and, and maybe it depends on who, who owns the team. Do you, uh, do you still want Boston Scott for, uh, for, for, uh, for a future pick? Cause I think I told you my interest has expired. (laughs) (laughs) Figured. All right. That one's, that one's out there. All right. So Pete, second question for you. I told you, uh, I had a half remembered story of Vegas a couple years ago. I was trying to scope out an auction draft because I had like a 1250 coming up and I was staring at a board and you can tell me I'm just like totally off the reservation. We get off this on a terrible foot, but I think I was staring at the board and you're like, Hey, I need somebody to take a picture of me next to the draft board. Like shover, you know, shoved your camera in my hand, and you know, I had to take a picture of you guys. Look, story's off. Who who knows? Who um, you know? May, maybe I'm misremembering. My question's simple: How'd you guys do in that auction that year? Hang on. Um, let me let me see if I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up here, and you're gonna tell me if this is the photo <laughs> that I just shared in the hopper. Did you take this photo? Uh, this was on the only that. auction draft I did here with my with my friend Cam, which actually wasn't with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm pretty sure that I am the master of the uh, of the, of the camera work there. Great composition, <laughs> by the way. A lot of people cut off the feet in these photos. I like getting all, the whole body in there. Yeah, I tried to make sure you had the dimensions of the room with the the ceiling as well. It's really do, really important to me. I do take a little umbrage with your version of the story. Do I remember it? No, but I <laughs> I, I know myself, and I I'm pretty sure yeah. I would just say, "Hey, would you mind taking a photo of me and my bud?" You know, I, I don't think I would have been that aggro. No, no, I know, I know. Had had to, had to do it for the uh, for the pod. No, it, it was all good. I just I was just I was sitting there. I was ready. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna see what values these you know these guys went for, as if that's any way applicable to one from one auction to another. Uh, and then there I was, just being a professional photographer. So 
Yeah, that team didn't go well. In fact, it went so poorly that my friend Cam like literally quit fantasy football. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was it. That was the end. Yeah, there was also one he was like pushing for us to grab Aaron Jones as our running back. And he like went like a couple dollars over, you know, our outline budget. And then yeah. I think that was the year Jones ended up having a massive year, monster uh, year. too. So it was, um, yeah, I try not to remember that draft. <laughs> oh, all right. Sorry for bringing it up. All right. Well, well, well good. This this is great. I'm glad we, uh, we, we got it off on the good foot. So so first question for you guys. Um, actually, by the way, you, you mentioned it yesterday, uh, Pete, but I had Scott Connor and Jay Reed on here a month ago, and they mentioned also uh, – Scott Connor mentioned the story. I think it must have been the same year where they were listening to you guys' content as they were drafting against you guys. So that was that is also a well remembered story. Yeah, uh, we re- we remember that one pretty well because uh, <laughs> Scott took Ronald Jones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, in the in the twenty nineteen season, that was twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two and a yeah. half rounds ahead of ADP too. I kept yeah. up Pat. We can wait on him. Just relax. Meanwhile, yeah. Scott's over there in a hoodie with his headphones to be like, "Oh, these guys love Ronald Jones." <laughs> <laughs> he was okay. like, "Pat, if we don't take Kalen Balash here, we won't get him on the <laughs> way back." <laughs> That is uh, actually it. what happened. I was just two years early on Caleb Blage. Yeah, yeah, you were. <laughs> all right. No, that, that that's all good. So so let's let's start there. I mean, I, I don't want to call you guys uh, a cult because obviously you guys are, are blowing up. But I think that you've got an awesome following, lo- loyal following. Uh, I mean, the, the content that you guys were putting out back in 2019, which is why I really wanted to start there. I mean, was cut. <laughs> cutting edge for streaming content, right? But you guys were doing waivers. You guys were putting that like online. Like I think I even, I think I saw Pat, you in another podcast. And I, I joked that I loved when, when Pete was like losing his mind early last year, when the waivers hadn't been put in. I mean, you guys are really putting yourselves out there. You know, how's that been co-managing these teams? Um, you know, what's kind of been the brand buildup from like 2019? How many teams have you guys done? So like, what's, what's your portfolio going to look like this year? Um, you know, compared to years past. Yeah. So, I mean, there's like the idea of the podcast and kind of the way the podcast has grown has it's always been just kind of letting the audience into exactly what our process is. So we started last year, we did mini episodes for every pick on our main event. And we did that again this year, which we'll get to. We do our waivers every week, get you know live on stream at 915. It's not an accident that we go live at 915 on, on Wednesdays. It's because that's right before waivers run. And yeah. we need to actually talk through what bids we're going to put in. <laughs> So as you saw week one, we probably should have prepared a little bit more for that. (laughs) But that's like our real, we're really trying to figure out what we should do and letting people in so they can, they can see that. I like that you guys have have kept that 915 slot over the summer. And I just assume that's to keep everybody in the same habit of this is what it's going to be. We're we're not, we're not missing waivers again with waivers uh, for the 2021 season. Yeah, this was our last year when we fired up the YouTube. We launched that. That was in July. And we kind of committed then like, hey, we want to go year round because before we just would go seasonal, like back when we first started it, it was initially an article uh, series that we wrote on Rotoviz, like a uh, uh, just a weekly post kind of recapping what happened. Uh, then it turned into the podcast. We were at four for four for a little while. And then when we kind of uh, branched out on our own, we we're like, yeah, let's let's let this rip year round. And, you know, Pat and Gretch do so much good dynasty work too that it's not even that hard to you know fill content now in in february and march although as i know you're a a bit of a top shot guy too we we had a few streams where (laughs) minds were elsewhere back in uh in february yes you were it was february you know 
Yeah. <laughs> it was it was that great like six day stretch in February. Where everything was going yeah. nuts. Right, right before the Cool Cats uh volume one, the, the oh, yeah. dropped. That was a yeah. that, was, that was a horrible week or day or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh let's let let's get into the draft board. Let me post the draft board. Um you guys, like you mentioned, you guys have put out some content, your many episodes. You guys had a a stream last night uh talking about you know lessons learned from your first main event. So I want you guys to rehash a little bit here, uh, but what we can do for like a kind of like a full view of this, you know, 11, 12 turn, I can give some of the thoughts that uh, that I had going on um, in some of the picks. So let's cover round one first. I'll at least start like on my end, sitting there at the 12. I mentioned my fates largely tied to what, you know, the 11 is going to do. In my head, I had a couple of, of, of players written down. I was thinking, okay, Darren Waller would be ideal start. You know, after listening to your mini episode, it didn't seem like that was gonna that was potentially gonna happen for me. I also thought I could you know be um, be happy with Austin Eckler. Uh, I had Tyreek Hill as like a wish list player, uh, but the the start I absolutely thought I was going to have was an Antonio Gibson and Stefan Diggs start. So I think to you guys' strategy, had you guys not taken Antonio Gibson, which you did, I absolutely would have taken them there along with Stefan Diggs. So you guys ended up taking Gibson. Want to talk that out a little bit. When you guys were going, knowing kind of who, who you are, but again, not like listening to your deep dives, um, you know, episodes in advance of kind of making the picks. I did think that your Gibson pick was almost a little bit of a dare to me at the 12. Okay, I'm going to take Gibson now. And if he's going to do it, if he takes the two wide receivers, okay, we miss out. And if he's only willing to take one or zero, we get our pick of Tyreek Hill or Diggs on the way back. So I, I wanted I wanted to pick you guys' brain about that. Like, and again, I heard the mini episode. I don't think it ever played out like that for you guys. I think you had a strategy, but I, I really did think that it was almost like a dare at that spot to go to start wide receiver, wide receiver. It, yeah, we were actually nervous about losing Gibson. Was really the thing yeah. because this. So in this strategy, like Pete and I are both pretty radicalized in terms of the wide receivers. Like we want <laughs> we want to hammer the wide receivers, and I love your start. Um, getting those two guys is such an awesome start. But we also know from being in the FFPC for a while that if you do take wide receivers for long stretches like we want to do, it can get a little tough to find running back values later because, you know, you'll end up in a situation where you feel like in the seventh or eighth round, you're taking a guy a couple rounds ahead of where you really feel comfortable, especially being on like one of the turns. Like we yeah. we might be in a situation where like, man, it's, we really don't want to come away from this turn here you know, and let's say the nine ten, and not have a running back. And we've been in that position before where we're having to reach just to make sure structurally we feel like we're going to in a good spot. So getting Gibson allows us to have that one elite running back structure and a let, I think let the draft come to us a little bit more from that point on. And then Gibson is the guy I think in this yeah. range to do that with. Um, I ended up going back and, and listening to one of your previous drafts where you're comparing him to 2016 David Johnson. And I totally see that. Like that's, I think he's got that kind of season in him. Um, he's a you know converted wide receiver. Similarly got the athleticism, got the situation, you know, they can add a lot of passing to what they've already put on his plate as a workhorse. So he's someone that I think if you're going to do that one elite build in this portion of the draft really is the guy. We also love the elite tight end. So, yeah, um, we were actually really happy with this start, although it's one of those things where I thought your start was like just a fire start. So, well, well, thank you. What um, if we go um, 
No, okay. So you were going no matter what, you were going to go Gibson. Because I think our our big thing we were wrestling with is even maybe more so than Gibson, I think we wanted Kittle, but we yeah. were willing to play the game thinking it was less likely that you guys right. were going to take Kittle. So was Kittle ever on your radar? No, because I've taken him. I, I've been, to, you know, not a main event, but taken him and quite a few football guys. So had had some some Kittle exposure. Happy with Kittle exposure. I'm assuming later because I've got you know three three more at least of these main events. I think I'll have additional Kittle exposure later. Um, he just never crossed my mind. Now I think that playing this outright, I think the one player that if you know if he had been pushed, like if Saquon was there, I really think that I would have. Hated my start, like for example, like one of like Tyreek or Diggs flipped them into that Saquon at the 108 spot. I think I'm really kicking myself. And like m- maybe then I go a Kittle and then Diggs or a Kittle and then Hill, whoever's there. But I, because I, or maybe push Ridley. I, I don't know. But I mean, obviously it worked out with the Cam Akers injury, but I was just not pushing any of those other running backs up into that 12 spot. Because if I'm going to pull a 12, I'm going to try to be unique about it, if you will. And I, I thought getting the Hill Hill dig start was, you know, absolutely smashed there, you know, with Gibson gone. Yeah. And what, so how do you think through, cause, and this is something we were talking about a lot last night is cause a lot of times people will like poke at two V twos and it's like, well, yeah, if I know that Mark Andrews is there in the fifth, like I would swap, you know, George Kittle out for digs or whatever, but yeah. you're, you're paying to get the the information early and having the flexibility. So I guess my question, when you start with the four wide receivers, are you are you praying that these guys are going to fall? Or are you just going to be like, you know what, no matter what, I am going to grab the Kareem Hunt, the Damian Harris uh, types because I, I do just need to get those running backs. I'm just curious how you approach zero RB once you start with four or how you're thinking about it. Oh, yeah. I, not to skip too far ahead, but we, we, we will. I, I was ready to get weird with it. Like so, after the first, after the first two, Hill and Diggs, and, and actually, let, so let me let me go to the third round because not and I don't want to talk about DJ Moore a whole lot here, but I, I thought the the third round, like how many wide receivers went off the board, because I've seen like okay, I got the Hill, I got the Diggs start, and then you know I've seen some fourth round Amari, some fourth round Allen Robinson. Like if this draft room is willing to let those guys slip back to me at three four. I was absolutely hitting those guys. Now, they didn't. And I thought to myself, because again, listen to you guys' mini episode, I think that you guys maybe had it tagged for like a a Hawkinson Dobbins uh, there at the turn. Um, At the point that I already had Hill and Diggs, I was ready to fully commit, if you will, at least through four rounds, of, of pushing the wide receivers up as far as I could for guys that I liked. As almost again to use the word dare again to almost dare the rest of the draft room who hadn't used wide receivers at that point, like hey, you guys better start taking them, or else I'm going to also continue taking them. So um, I'll talk a little bit three four. I want to move back there, but you asked about Cream Hunt. So for example, if the draft room had Deontay Johnson, and again heard you guys take on T, and I'm a huge T guy. Uh, I've got 28% uh, exposure to T, 28 on DJ Moore, so I'm all over those two guys. But had they let Deontay Johnson, T. Higgins, or Ayuk slip back to me, I would have continued taking wide receivers. Mm -hmm. It was only because those three were off the board that I decided to pivot back to running back at that point. Um, But I I was ready to go all in, not even thinking about like the 2v2 aspect. Just I'm going to get these these second-year wide receivers, and I'm ready to explode uh, if I can. Yeah, the 3-4 was the dare. That was the yeah. day. Not yeah. like intentionally. We were no, actually yeah. really did not want you to take DJ Moore there. We were really hoping to get him 
on the wrap, but we like we didn't think that you would go the wide receiver, wide receiver, just because it's not a typical start in this room that you would that you'd find, you know, the team team twelve if they start Hill and Diggs, just to, my my instinct is that they're they're not gonna double tap wide receiver there again. So we did kind of leave you with a dare on the third uh, and fourth rounds, I think, which you like I I love it. I love it. I wish you didn't do it, but I did yeah. love it. <laughs> well, well, I want to I want to talk about something that you guys because I Pat or yeah, Pat, you brought up a great question last night. Uh, and I'm really happy that you brought it up. I want to play it out here. Hearing you guys, this is like revisionist history though. Hearing you guys talk about T. Higgins, I will tell you this. I probably, you know, hindsight again, I probably go T. Higgins there too, or like I'd be kicking myself if you guys went DJ more T. Higgins, because those are mm-hmm. two players I just mentioned. I had 28% exposure uh, across all my FFPC on both of those guys. So I think if you guys go DJ more and leave me with like Cooper, maybe I still go Cooper. So that was probably a good read. And maybe I still go Chris Godwin, not thinking that like somebody will go T Higgins right after. And maybe, maybe he slips back to me. Cause I, I don't know if you guys have seen, there's been some T Higgins in the sixth round on some of these main events, which just kills me. Cause I, if I'm, if I'm in the draft room, I'm taking him. Uh, but in anyways, I, I think that that would have been devastating to me hearing you guys tease out that, what if we go DJ Moore and then get T Higgins on the on the wraparound? Because I think that that would have just like killed killed my soul on the twelve. Seeing somebody <laughs> do that, which I had been willing to do. Yeah, I feel like T's ADP is all over the place because we're in another draft right now where he went late fourth, where we thought for sure he was going to come back yeah. in the early fifth, yeah. and so it is all over the place on T Higgins. And you know, it's funny too when you say like. You know, historically, if you try to dare FFPC drafters to keep drafting running backs, they will not blink. They will keep drafting (laughs) running backs. I am starting to just notice, like, when I look at the boards in our next slow main that we're in right now, I mean, there's a lot of guys with nice structures that are hammering wide receivers in this three to six range. And I'm like, is there a little bit of a title change? Because we're seeing it on underdog. Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you, you guys is falling underdog. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Sorry. Do you feel like things are yeah. changing a little bit in the oh. main events too? Well, well oh, d- I mean, definitely. I thought that, and, and like I said, I, I used the word dare for like me going back to the rest of the draft. Like, right. Godwin and Moore were the ones that I absolutely wanted to have, like in terms of like that fourth round. Um, and I really thought, okay, if they're willing to do it uh, or continue to do it being draft running backs, I could maybe slip back and get the Deontay T and Ayuk, And if that's the case, like I'm continually just going off, you know, off the rails, um, you know, in, in the, in the Sean Siegel mode. Um, but I actually thought like in this draft, it looks like people were, were kind of like holding themselves back or, 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 you know, kind of going into the wide receiver C change uh, to where once that clear tiered out uh, with Ayuk, you guys taking uh, him right before me, uh, you know, that was my signal to, okay, l- let me just see, is there a, a pass catching running back with maybe standalone upside that I can pivot to being Kareem Hunt, uh, who potentially, you know, you know, goes even further up the boards if there's an injury to uh to Chubb there. But yeah, I think I think Pete to your question, like I, I think at least in this particular draft, um, I think people were able to control themselves with the running back love. Um, like I said, I've been seeing some of these board with boards with Higgins in the sixth, and that's just like I'm I'm smashing that all day. If I see a DJ Moore late fourth, T Higgins early fifth. Uh, especially if I'm in the early part of the drafts, like I'm, I'm all over those two. Yeah. Yeah. And, we uh, want to be in those rooms. Uh, I don't know where yeah. those rooms have been for us. Well, and I mean, we, we were talking about this a little bit last night and people were asking us about, cause we are doing more main event teams this year and about our exposures. And I think, 
in previous years, I think I've grown as like a fantasy player because of DFS and now because of best ball too, where I'm a little bit more Zen about the exposures. Yes, I have my preference, but like in these, I don't mind playing the the ADP game, the tier game a little bit, yeah. just knowing like there are going to be drafts. We reach for DJ Moore and T Higgins. And so like, we're probably not going out of our way to get Mike Evans. Uh, and so getting a share of him at a very nice price point, like I like mixing guys like that into our portfolio because we have been burned in years past just getting our guys draft after draft after draft. Yep. No, that makes sense. And a question I think you guys started to tease out yesterday too, but wanted to ask you here, the Tyree Kill digs, because I think you guys just did this. And of course, by the time I'm on something, it's like a square strategy. But I'm thinking more and more about once I get these early draft sl- slots, especially that four or five, I am going to start pushing the Tyree Kill, Stefan Diggs in that spot because I think that you can start to smash these unique builds with like getting like a, a Hill and DK and Lamb or Hill and DK and I don't know, just, you know, AJ Brown or something like that. I, I think that you can't get that obviously from the 12 spot. And I'm really interested in maybe trying to find some of those or manufacture some of those to be half around here and there off of ADP, but just creating these teams that I just don't think exist right now in either the football guys or the main events. What, yeah. but, does that, but does that change with how much volume you guys are doing or what's your plan for, for potentially pushing something like that? Well, we have one going now that's Diggs, Kittle, Lamb, Godwin, Ayuk. Yeah. Um, which is, and that, that was when you guys had to push – T Higgins back to yourselves, right? On the fifth. We were hoping to get T Higgins. Yeah. We go Godwin at the, the 409. T Higgins goes at the 410. So um, and I, I like the team we're drafting right next to is also doing things that I think are pretty sharp, which is annoying. Um, so, so, you know, including taking T Higgins right there. Um, but yeah, so, so I think that is interesting. And I guess I kind of think about it a little bit like, you know, you're getting, these draft picks, they're almost like, like chips and they're sort of like designated like a certain amount of auction dollars on them. And then you can spend them on whoever you want. And I feel like we get a little tied to like, you know, the market says that Stefan Diggs is only worth like $49, but like, you know, Alvin Kamara is worth $53. So you better spend your, and your chips worth $53. Yeah, yeah. So you can spend it on Alvin Kamara. And it's like, no it's not really that big of a deal. Yeah, it's not really that big of a deal if you don't if you don't agree with that. Like, actually, I think Alvin Kamara is worth forty nine dollars and Diggs is worth fifty, so I'm gonna spend my fifty three dollar chip on the guy I think's worth more money. So I, I think you know we took Gibson over Diggs here, but in this one we we kind of wanted a different structure in a different pro, uh, a different portion of the draft. So the ADP is gonna kind of fall differently to you. I don't I don't really have any problem with kind of mixing it up that way. Yeah. And I think the auction thing's a good analogy, right? Because it's not like in an auction draft, there is an actual opportunity cost by spending those extra $6 or whatever, because you could use those elsewhere. Here, you don't get those dollars back. Everyone still right. has the same pick. So I've, I've kind of come around on that too, where I know we we get excited about values and you'd be like, holy cow, you know, Alvin Kamara at 1.7. It's like, is it really different from 1.3 or 1.4? Like, I, I don't think it is in these first couple rounds. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so let's let's pivot. Um, I think Pete, back to your question, like the two v twos, because I think that that really came into play for me at that Dak Prescott pick at six oh one. My thought there, because you, you guys end up going Ayuk five eleven, 
Chase Claypool at 602. It was that Dak pick for me that I think that I was really kicking myself, at least like in the moment on. Um, especially knowing that you guys took LaVisca on the way back, of, of course, though, I guess I should have predicted that one. Because um, <laughs> yeah. I would have taken I would have taken him there too. But it, it was the thing with Dak. Again, I was trying to press the issue with the room. I think you kind of have to do that from the 12 and the like, much less extent to the, from the one. But I was thinking, okay, I'm going to press the issue on Dak and see if maybe the main event drafters will start chomping at the bit for uh, Herbert or Wilson. And of course, both Herbert and Wilson came back at that 7-12 turn. And I was kicking myself because I think I would have much rather had one of them there uh, and then changed that Dak Prescott pick to like a, a Claypool or uh, an OBJ. Uh, those were the two that I was on in that spot. Uh, and then maybe, you know, I, I don't know whether that's a, a flip or Herbert, the seven twelve, or like flip like the Gabe Davis pick to like literally anything else. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm much happier doing that. But I think that that was like the first pick of the draft where, again, like I, I thought I was making some really smart bets and some dares at the rest of the draft room. Uh, but when those two quarterbacks came back to me, I, I was absolutely kicking myself uh, there. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually wrestling right with this right now for zero RB builds because one thing Pat and I have kind of learned through trial and error is the zero RB is a lot more feasible when you have that elite quarterback and that elite tight end. Like you're you're basically saying I'm going to hammer you at every single position except RB one uh, yep. and RB two. And however, this year I feel like sets up in a really unique way because there's so much upside depth at quarterback late that I'm kind of struggling with this right now. And we're, we're actually going to be on the clock soon and have a similar decision about Dak. And it's like, I love the stack. I love, you know, the values when you can get him and I love what he does for your starting lineup. But I feel like there could be a huge opportunity cost when you're getting Lawrence and fields and Lance and even Zach Wilson so late that, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with this right now. Yeah. We, we actually also had kind of an interesting two V two with, Russell Wilson as well because you know let's say we go lock it at the 402 then Wilson's there for you at the 802 so that would have been that's kind of like an interesting sliding doors type of scenario for this for this draft although kind of to Pete's point like if we had gone digs Kittle then I think grabbing Wilson at the 802 feels a lot better to me but when you with like within that first eight round to nine round range I honestly want to be taking like two detours away from wide receiver yeah. when possible. So like that's so when um you know when we took Gibson and then we took Kittle like we're still trying to hammer and this is what I say we're kind of radicalized. We're still trying to hammer the wide receivers there and almost feel uncomfortable even with, you know, Cooper Evans, Ayuk, Claypool, Chenault, still feeling like a little bit uncomfortable with the wide receivers knowing that we want to fill the wide receiver with the flex or the flex with the wide receiver. Yeah, I think you, you guys kind of called it out. Uh, just how radical am I? Uh, you know, especially when I'm going on the the hunt, Prescott, Higby, Harris tours, right? The, those four non non yellow stickers. Um, you know, at, at least from, from those guys, um, I really think it was it was just how you guys let the board fall to me. Um, in I guess it must have been the fifth and the seventh round because had Ayuk slipped back to me, I would have taken him. And had LaVisca slip back to me, I would have taken him. But I think that you guys, again, you guys were calling it out. I, those feel they felt at each of those picks like the last of like the like their individual tier. And right. I just and if I if I look at the, the board, I really felt like I mean, look at the seventh round. There was Michael Carter. There was Noah Fant. 
And then there was my Tyler Higby. The seventh round was nine wide receivers. Like the second those odd rounds started moving, like I, I felt like we were just like off and running. And at the so sitting there at 12, I just felt that I was like, I kept losing out on an entire tier where at that point I was like, okay, well, if I've already lost out on a wide receiver tier, what I'm going to do is I think I'm just going to get best available at another spot and hope yeah. I can come back around on wide receiver. This and is one of those sense. things where, yeah, oh, go ahead. The, the whole like wide receivers deep thing, I think I, I really don't buy into that idea. And partly because like when you have us come in, you know, into this draft room where we're like, we don't buy into it. And then you're sitting there going, hang on, wait, I'm supposed to get Ayuk here. I'm supposed to get, <laughs> you know, LaVisca here. No, yes. Yeah. And so it all it doesn't take much. It takes like one team who just kind of thinks differently. And all of a sudden it's like a different room. So that's I kind of always want to be out front of that curve yeah. to the extent that I can be. Yeah. And you see why that round seven and eight, why that happens, because you look at like team three when they take four running backs and a tight end there. Or you look at team seven with a tight end, three running backs, a court like they have to take wide receivers there. Like they don't have a choice at that point. And then we're sitting there and we're like, yeah, we technically have other positions in need, but we still feel strongly that the wide receivers are the best available players. And then you get a mad dash like that and it kind of then illustrates why you want to stay ahead of the the wide receiver curve because then there's it starts to really fall off i mean i think we think will fuller's an exception uh there and then work i mean as much as we love elijah moore and bateman i mean both of those guys could not sniff it's possible they don't sniff our starting lineup this season that wouldn't be shocking right yeah right and then so so moving to to the ninth um the elijah moore pick you really didn't need him there uh, I was really, I think maybe Pete, you, you did do this and was it Scott Fishbowl or something? Did you, did you go the three more brothers? So, somebody went the, yeah, somebody went the three more brothers. I, when, when that round, so again, another odd round run going, there's what, seven running backs here, six running backs. It's like, Oh, there's, there's all of my potential zero RB targets that are drying up. So I was really happy seeing that happen in the odd round that I went Damian Harris to kick off the eighth because I would have loved a Pollard. Um, you know, I would have loved a Dylan there, uh, maybe a James Conner. Uh, but once they started flying off the boards and some of the wide receivers got pushed, I was really thinking that Elijah Moore was going to fall into my lap. And then you guys said the words that like shot in my heart. You guys said we'd be letting Andrew off the hook if we let Elijah Moore get back to the 12 spot. And I was like, uh, yep, that's it, it's over for me at that point. Um, you guys continue to, to, to piss the yellow there. You know, were you going to go Elijah Moore regardless of how that ninth round went? Or if had another one of those like zero RB targets um, fallen to you, would you have taken him there? And, you know, how does that interact with the the Darrell Henderson uh, pick in the 10th? Yeah, so this this round, I think, I, I, I thought about your team more than any other round because, one, I mean, you'd already sniped us on DJ Moore. Your start looks really good. But I felt like you probably did need a double tap wide receiver there, which you ended up doing. Yeah. But that's why I'm saying, like, I don't like we have the potential to either hand you Daryl Henderson or hand you Elijah Moore. And obviously, yeah. this is before K Makers goes down. At the time, I was like, I'm more afraid of your team if you have more than Henderson. So, um, so was kind of thinking that through a little bit. Like at this point in the draft, we have enough information to start to see like which teams, which teams could end up being like the main competition and and your team was, was really one of those that I was kind of thinking through. I think with um, the pick of Moore versus Henderson, 
Um, had you not been in that position, I think we probably would have gone Henderson. But also we were looking at other guys who had just gone, like A.J. Dillon. Um, you know, there seemed to be like a little – Tony Pollard, Zach Moss. There seemed to be almost like a little kind of end of a mini tier break with Henderson. Um, so this was actually like probably the turn that worked out best for us in terms of we wanted Elijah Moore, we wanted Daryl Henderson, and uh, – we ended up getting, we ended up picking, yeah, we ended up picking the right order in, in which to get the both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If, if more had gone there, I probably would have gone, I still probably would have gone a, a Brown more combination. I probably still would have gone Hollywood. I, I like Hollywood this year. And of course him splat, uh, you know, um, sliding back to the nine twelve made me think more about that Dak Prescott pick. So that pick, you know, kept haunting me. Not that I need a Lamar Jackson Hollywood stack necessarily, but I think that I would feel a little bit more interested, you know, in that. And then, of course, maybe maybe then I go, um, you know, push push Bateman a little bit later on you guys. Um, so I think that that Dak pick kind of set me back from from further sniping you. Uh, but I absolutely would have taken Elijah Moore had he fallen there. Um, and then I, I think to me, I, I still wanted the explosiveness on the roster, mm-hmm. which is why I kind of pushed the ADP a little bit more on Rondale, uh, think, thinking uh, that he wouldn't have gotten back to me. And you know, who, who knows what the, what the draft were, because I've seen him in wild spots. Theo and I just did a, a, a football guys two days ago, and we got him at like the 14-12. I think his, his max is like 15-12, which is wild to me, certainly not in one of my draft rooms. Um, but yeah, I, I, was, I was happy that I got Hollywood and Rondale, but I think would have been much happier with uh, an Elijah Moore there. Of all your picks, I think the one I'm most curious about on your thought process – um, there is the Damian Harris pick. Were you considering other guys? Are you super high on Harris? Uh, how did he kind of fit into your plans there? That was a uh, a crowdsource pick. I I hated that spot. Um, I if I had pushed anything, I probably would have pushed Elijah Moore or like a Michael Pittman. I was thinking wide receiver there. Um, ultimately, when I was talking to some. Uh, the people I co-own the team with and some, you know, some other like people I, I don't know in real life uh, on the Twitter machine. I was thinking Tony Pollard there for like extreme upside ultimately. And I, I kind of like the pick now. I'm just, well, of course I'm just talking myself into it, seeing how the board fell. Uh, I, I like the idea of him, even if he's not a pass catcher, um, you know, if Mac Jones is a starter, could he get the the short yardage work? Could he just rumble his head into the end zone a couple times? Um, he felt like he gave me a week one start. Um, whereas, it, you know, if I didn't take him there, the, the running back board ended up drying up quickly. So I think he was one of those more like I, I had to go back to like the my roots of, of putting the green stickers up on the board. It wasn't necessarily like any great like, oh, I'm a huge Damian Harris guy. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think, too, in. It is. It it gets very scary uh, to really punt that second running back slot. I mean, I thought I think Hines is like the perfect pick there when you're looking to get a RB two yeah. in the zero RB spot. So that's the only thing. Like on your structure, like even though I don't necessarily love love Higby, I like that much more than having to like grab four tight ends late because you yeah. punted it. And so my only thing is, I feel like if you flip Harris to a receiver then knowing you're getting uh Heinz and then loading up on scratch offs I think I I really like this team even more it's, yeah it's much more explosive well well Pete I want to talk about that because the Heinz is definitely one that I thought you guys left you know let me off the hook there when those running backs continue to dry up and I really I mean you look at this I mean it's essentially like I would have been left with like 
JD McKissick or pushing ADP, I think a little bit on Evans and like the rest of it is just like absolutely disgusting. I thought Hines, like to me, Hines would have been in contention, right? If, if the board had really fallen like, you know, awkwardly, or maybe I do like a Hines, you know, Henderson thing at the nine ten. like Hines was in contention at that nine ten turn. If I had really felt running back was the move. I think that you guys let me off the hook big time. Um, and that 11 spot when you guys took Lance. Now, I knew you guys are high at Lance and you guys had a, an IU Kittle thing going on. Um, but I got to tell you, <laughs> I was never in a million years, at least in this draft, taking Lance there. And I want to thank you for, for letting me off the hook and, and having Hines because I, I would have been squirming in my shoes uh, had, I, had I not gotten him there. Well, we, we knew we didn't need Hines because we had a crystal ball and knew <laughs> Henderson was going to jump about five rounds in value. So we're kind yeah. Of good there. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I'm glad I, this was kind of a nice round because we kind of got out of each other's way a little bit. We're like, yeah. we just wanted yeah. Lance. You're like, I want you to have Lance. I don't want Lance. So <laughs> it, it, worked, it, worked, yeah, it worked out pretty well. I actually kind of wish we'd taken Bateman, gave you, gave you a little bit more credit to not take Lance and then gotten Lance back. But I think ba- Bateman was the guy. This is another turn where we were like, we want Lance and Bateman. How do we get both? Yeah. Um, so you're right that we kind of let you off the hook a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. Hines Hines fits your your build really well. The James White pick uh, later to us is like you know if you can get like a really high upside guy like Lance, another high upside wide receiver like Bateman, and then James White is still getting you some of those pass catching fill in weeks at a cheaper cost. And at that point, wide receiver like I love Paris Campbell, but yeah. at that point, what are you really giving up at wide receiver? Um, and I like to try to keep my Pete, Pete and I like are in total alignment on this. Like the cheaper we can get kind of those usable weeks guys that we don't think are high upside guys. That's kind of those pass catchers or Gio Bernard's or James White's, um, the cheaper you can get those guys, like the happier I am about it. Yeah. But I did I, like the Heinz pick for there as well for you yeah i and i I remember floating him heinz is i think he's my second most owned guy on underdog like at pick 140 i'm grabbing him so much because i had builds like yours where you get a hunt and a harris and then you need a guy like heinz like white like bernard i do think the lance thing was you know we mentioned it on the mini so too like we've already made such a massive bet on kittle and iuk and if we're gonna win and take down this tournament it's gonna be because lance took over and this offense is just throttling people in the playoffs and the only way that happens is with trey lance so it's just kind of like a correlated bet and i think we didn't think it was less worried about you taking him and just more knowing he wasn't going to come back around Again, Again, because we've yeah. seen now lots of teams who take their elite quarterback who love getting Lance as their second guy. Yeah, we have a Kyler Wilson in yeah. this in this room. Like there yeah. is that. Yeah. yeah. So um, the one thing I'll also say is that like that's kind of why I like the Gibson pick that we you know at one eleven because we wanted to like push it at that point. It's like we got Gibson, we got Henderson. Like if the room's going to force us to start Daryl Henderson week one. Like and obviously before the Acres injury, like okay, fine, we'll start Dale Henderson week one. Like we'll deal with that as long as you keep giving us really strong value everywhere else. So because we had spent the the one eleven on Gibson, taking him over Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs, like we've made a gigantic bet on Gibson being a running back that we feel great about starting every week. I kind of want to double down on that bet by pushing the the running backs even later where I think I can get away with it. So. 
that's why yeah. Hines wasn't really on our radar as much with like this build because we'd already had the first round running back with huge opportunity costs at wide receiver. Yep. No, that, that makes sense. And I, I know that uh, Pete, we're, we're running up on some of your time. So we'll, we'll, we'll be quick sure, through the. We're, the, we're the, good. I got 15 more minutes here. You're good. Okay. All right. So just really quick trivia question then. Do you guys, you know, you guys mentioned you don't mind starting uh Darrell Henderson week one. Do you guys know how many points Darrell Henderson got a uh, week one of the 2019 season when I started him in that shitty, shitty main event team? Because I certainly remember. Followed out a lot. Was that the week that Malcolm Brown had two touchdowns? Yes. Yes. In the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He had 0.0. Not a single catch. Not a single yard. I told all my buddies, hey, I got this. I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to put together a a great zero RB roster. Everyone's going to love it. Darrell Henderson starting lineup 0.0. Well, right there, when you put together a great zero running back roster – no one ever loves it. No. <laughs> like you put that on Twitter, it is not received yeah. well. All yeah. right. <laughs> so, so just quick, quick question on the quarterbacks. After now, we're now that we're through the Darrell Henderson trivia portion of the, the show. Would you guys have ever considered going naked, Lance? Um, uh, like you yes. know, maybe like an upside, upside, you know, wide receiver there, and in, instead, like a, a Campbell or maybe a I don't know, probably too early for Diami, but maybe like a Terrace Marshall or something. Did you guys consider a naked, naked Lance? I think we probably would have taken like a stab on like a Tua or someone. I mean, very cheap. But to be honest, like I, I just looked at the quarterbacks on waivers, and there's like a bunch of very startable quarterbacks on waivers right now. Yeah. So Pete suggested that we take Fields at the 13th round, which honestly I feel like I hadn't thought through enough, and and then Pete suggested him. Nice. Yeah, and I mean, again, another one of the lessons I feel like Pat and I have learned over the years is – you can take all of your swings at quarterback should be really big swings because it's the most replaceable position on FFPC waivers, like bar none, like streaming quarterbacks is the easiest thing to do. You might not get a ceiling from a streamable quarterback, but you're going to be able to find 16 points on the waiver. So our thought is like, who cares if these two guys aren't starting week one, we'll grab someone. I guess the who cares version would be how long would we carry both of these guys and a third QB if they're not starting and someone asked us that last night and uh, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> yeah. I mean this, this draft, I think, you know, Pat, to your point, there was only 19 quarterbacks taken with, you know, n- no Hill, no Winston. So there's going to be clarity there by the week one waiver. So, you know, there's, there's going to be opportunities on the, uh, the waiver wire uh, there. Okay. So just, to, I mean, uh, you know, we can maybe touch on with these next couple of questions, like some of our, our, our later round uh, running back dart throws. Cause I think you guys alluded to it. The the draft room did love, love their running backs. I think 79 were, uh, were taken ultimately. 79, <laughs> 79 running backs taken. Um, you know, you, you know, Are there even 79 running backs in the league. <laughs> well, I, I guess, you know, you know, of course our two teams had to take the, the most ridiculous shots um, out of, out of anybody. And you guys, you know, mentioned it, you know, paying for information, but just, just to ask the question, you know, you guys can touch on your later round picks or, you know, anything else in the draft room. Was there any like game theory that you appreciated? Maybe not, you know, you know, could be our corner of the draft room. It could be elsewhere. Was there any game theory that you liked, you know, pe- people doing something interesting at a turn or, or any interesting like builds or strategies? Not necessarily one that you like love, but just like something that caught your attention as we were going through the room. Well, can I ask you about your Xavier Jones pick? Because again, yes. this was prior to the Cam Akers injury. And that's no, no, that. I think. I think I got on. I think I got on the clock. Oh, I think it was the. I think right it was this. I think, I think it was the seven ten. I wish I'd remembered. I think it was the seven ten team, or maybe it was. 
Maybe it was the Cam Akers team at 17-9, and they got on the – oh, it couldn't have been them because they dra- did the draft pilot. It must have been 17-10. It was. So Duke Johnson goes 17-10. This is riveting radio. Duke Johnson goes 17-10. So that person must have been sitting on the clock when the Cam Akers news came down and made their bet on Duke Johnson, <laughs> Duke Johnson coming in and handling everything from there. And then you guys go Ty Johnson, and I'm sitting there on the clock. And, of course, I already want to punt Tariq Cohen into the sun, uh, which is fine. <laughs> I got to I got to drop somebody week one anyways. Uh, but Xavier Jones was up, and basically I th- that was my bet. I was like, well, I'm either going to take Jake Funk or, uh, or Xavier Jones. Uh, so, again, I just fired up the Google machine. I, I saw who had the – the more fun clips, the better, uh, the better <laughs> from their college. Uh, SMU was putting out some great Xavier Jones content. I saw the Aaron Donald, uh, you know, interview and, and that being passed around. And uh, it, quite frankly, that pick is just a bet of like, okay, maybe he's James Robinson, maybe he's not, but I'm going to take him. And I think to the point you guys mention all the time is like, we're going to find out more information. And if, you know, he sucks and if he doesn't make the team, I'm going to cut him. And if he's he, if he's something, or if he's performing during the preseason, you know, then then he can be a keep. But I absolutely thought, especially now seeing in some of these football guys, people are pushing him to like the 11, 12, 13. I'm very happy to have a, a 17 or eight, you know late 18. Uh, uh, and hey guys, I'm I'm back. Were you guys professionals without me? Okay. No, we were <laughs> silent. I just refreshed because I wasn't sure what happened. Okay. Keep it where, where's the professionalism? Um, I was about to say something to you, and I was like, well, there's no way you can hear me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back. Um, I'm back. Well, I was just going to say, I think that's where, you know, Zero RB really shines in this format because not only are you're going to be able to be so nimble week one on the waivers, like a lot of these guys that draft their running backs early, they draft, you know, let's just throw out some names here, some, some Brian Edwards, some Amon Ross, St. Brown's, like, those guys like need that wide receiver depth. They can't just cut those guys right away and move yeah. on. They have to find out what they have. Whereas us, we're going to be like, who's getting the touches? We need those touches in our lineup. We're going to move quickly. And that's a nice benefit of zero RB is you might bank a guy. You might bank a Darrell Henderson. You might bank a Xavier Jones. Or it just allows you to move on really quickly because yeah. you're not anchored to these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't I I can't wait to cut them week one. This gonna <laughs> yeah. Be yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, um, to the so question of this, this, yeah, good. Well, I, the one that jumps out at the most dangerous team outside of our teams, I think to me, I think it is, well, it would have been feeling dangerous, which, which, which fits with the dangerous idea, but Cam Akers yeah. goes down, but I do yeah. like, and we're in a couple drafts in them, but like, and I, I think this is kind of the pattern that I've seen, but he's, you know, taking the upside swings. So even though the draft's a bit more like running back heavy in the first nine rounds than like Pete and I would execute. It's still like you could easily see him crushing people at wide receiver because he's taking huge cuts. So that was the team I was also kind of keeping my eye on as the draft was progressing. Yeah. Um, And I also think, I mean, the, the one team, it's always hard for the McCaffrey teams to look bad. And again, like obviously we don't, love the uh the montgomery pick there and just like the opportunity cost on the wide receivers you're passing up on but i do i do like that team if you if you swap montgomery with a wide receiver i think that's uh, a super nice team I, I don't really get the brady pick unstacked either um just when there are i think 
more exciting options later. Um, so like a few weird things, but structurally, I don't mind that team. Yeah, I like I like them as well. I, I think that they're pretty dangerous. And of course, like that's I think that's Biplop and Mandel. And I think you guys posted another draft board. And I think that he's in the, the one hole on a second one of your main event yeah. draft. He just keeps drawing the one spot. Uh, and of course, I keep drawing like the, the 10, 11, 12. So I, I, I need yeah, I need we haven't gotten the one either. Yeah, the random number generator needs to, to help out uh, a little bit more. Um, uh, I guess I could get the one with Theo the other day. Um, so at least game theory perspective, I, I mentioned it at the at the top or um, earlier. These odd round runs, I really felt that like people were like pushing the issue. Like round three, a ton of wide receivers. Round seven, ton of wide receivers. Round nine, ton of ton of running backs. Um, I mean, if you look at 12 and 13, it's just like cranked purple all the way through, mm-hmm. like littered with purple. I mean, it, it almost felt like when we were doing the odd, and maybe that's just like how my brain was working because I was like pissed off seeing some of the runs of players I wanted. But I really felt that like once a run started, like it kind of didn't stop in those odd rounds, uh, you know, kind of leaving us some slimmer uh, pickings there. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I think that this FFPC like tight end run, I think – it's a little bit like, you know, you're not sure exactly where it's going to be. Like it sort of shifts um, a little bit through drafts, but it always yeah. feels like by about the end, and especially as the summer goes on, I think the tight ends might even come up a little bit as we get like more confident about some of them and less confident about others. But like last year, it felt like, you know, by the end of maybe even the middle of round 12, like, you better have your tight end situation figured out because there wasn't really anything after that. I mean, I think we took Chris Herndon, you know, in the 12th yeah, last yeah. year or something. And it's so, um, so this, like this grouping of tight ends is, is something I think we like to kind of dip into if we, ha- if we haven't figured it out earlier, but that's another reason why we took Kittle because trying to prioritize not having to kind of dip into the, this little go out of tight ends. Yeah. Um, just really quickly, any any spots that you guys had the nervous tummies where you just absolutely hated the spot that you were in and kind of you know left with. I, I think I mentioned to you guys one one spot that I hated was the Dak pick, especially in hindsight. Um, the Gabe Davis, I think that was more of a luxury. I think I would much prefer to have like a Josh Allen with him when I did that, but I thought that was good. Heavy air quotes like value to get Gabe Davis there. Um, maybe would have preferred again in hindsight a Damian Williams, knowing what happened with Tariq Cohen. But any, any spot that you guys had that was like truly like a, a nervous tummies, uh, you know, pick where you guys just hated yeah. the spot you were left I mean, with. It, it was the it was the three four turn. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, you right. know what it was. Because when you sniped us on DJ Moore, well, I said I said not not non DJ Moore edition. <laughs> oh, you yeah. did. Okay. I mean, okay. we were you and you probably heard like. We had fat, you know, had dreams of okay, would CD fall two more spots to yeah. us there in the third? Yeah. Would T fall two would more T. spots to us? Goddamn, feeling dangerous, just like breaking our Got hearts. Them both. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, got them both. And I would say it's funny, like Cooper consolation price to Lamb, Ayuk consolation price to Higgins, but then it was we were really racking our brain because it's like in a vacuum. And God, I say that term so much. Uh, DJ Moore and T Higgins were our favorite wide receivers there. And we come away with Amari Cooper and Mike Evans. And so yeah, I think it, but it goes back to that thing. Like I don't mind having shares of these guys, but that was a very nerve wracking thing thought. to play yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would also say that not for us at the time, but I have gone back and listened later and we got a lot of really funny feedback on our episodes <laughs> in rounds nine and 10 where we're like hemming and hawing on, are we going to take Daryl Henderson? The episodes yeah. released after the acres injury. So like everyone yeah. on Twitter is like, 
stress listening. <laughs> yeah, just take Henderson. Uh, and of course we don't. We don't take Henderson. Yeah. The episode ends. Yeah. And it's like, ah, we'll probably grab Henderson on the way back if he's there. I don't know. And so I actually, I didn't, as like a, a gift to the audience, I released the next episode right away. Oh, nice. uh, I was kind of spacing them out, but I was like, I, I didn't leave people with the the massive cliffhanger. We, but we that barely, was We barely even talk about Henderson in that other episode because he was just who we wanted. It, we would have had to have a conversation if he had gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think right. you guys were on what, Henderson or Drake or, or something. You guys, you were up in the air about something there. Um, we talked about Drake if Hen- as like a consolation prize to Henderson, which obviously <laughs> wouldn't have been a very good consolation <laughs> prize in retrospect. Yeah. Um, uh, we can move through the next one quickly, but I wanted to ask you guys, you, you know, the, the sharp drafter is much sharper than I am. Um, you know, they end up taking the Eno Benjamins, the Lynn Bowdens, the Justice Hills in 2019. Who was the somebody knows something guy in this draft if there was one for you um, of like, hey, that was a good pick, late round pick. I'm going to steal that for uh, – for the next draft anybody did anybody really pop out in your uh, your 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 mind as you look at the draft board what well, is funny because just even since this draft finished we've gotten lots of little kind of information updates from camp and stuff that makes some picks look sharper than others um i don't know like just now with the news that justin jackson uh is yep. likely to get cut and then it's like well we saw the josh kelly experiment didn't look that good then this team hand picks larry roundtree i kind of like that pick there roundtree in the 18th seems pretty nice to me uh, agreed I, I would have loved to have had them i would have loved to have had them over josh kelly but that was a full what round difference i was like well if josh I, kelly's left i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna at least take a fine. shot there i think well, no, I, I would have much bad. preferred much yeah. much preferred but anyways yeah you know, i like that pick I was going to go right to Roundtree, too, because I feel like I was a little slow to come around on on Roundtree, and now it's like everyone's like, okay, yeah, we really should be drafting Roundtree. Um, Hawkins is the other one um, where, you know, we ended up with Allison, but would have would have preferred if Hawkinson came – or Hawkins came all the way back around, which seems sort of unlikely given it was taking a couple picks after we took Stevenson there, but yeah. at the same time, not a, not a yeah. ton of running backs went. No, and no. yeah. And it's like it's kind of this range where you'll see Hawkins, you know, he can go a little earlier. He can sometimes fall a few more rounds. It's like everything's kind of mixed up in this range. So that one that one stung a little bit. Um, Ahmed as well, I think, is a is an interesting one. I think he's he's definitely got upside there. So uh, those would be probably the three. I like it. All right. Last question. We'll get you guys out of here. Really appreciate the time. Everyone's favorite game, especially on the half milli billies. We're going to play who's the rake. They're not necessarily the worst team, but they're certainly not going to get their money back out of the league. Any teams jump. It's time to be mean. And the good news is, is you can always say my team because I can take it. I'm a big boy. Um, any teams jump out to you as being the rake? Oh, man, this is where, you know, we try to. We I know. Try to be nice. mean, mean right at the very end. Sorry. Yeah, like I said, you have an out. You can just say me, Andrew. You're the rake. That's fine. I'll go first. If you guys want me to go first. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think it's wasted money. I mean, I hate I was going to say wasted money. <laughs> I, we, could all, we could all go there. I mean, the, the Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, I love them both separately and individually. I hated them going back to back there. Um, and then, you know, you're sort of left with, especially with the heavy running back start. They still want to get their FFPC tight end. So they go Ingram and Troutman. Troutman, I love to be very clear. But when you're doing this and, and using the draft capital the way they used it, uh, I really think they're left thin and you know grasping for straws, and they're just going to end up in the a, a million wide receiver threes potentially on their team. I I actually prefer that team to Team Seven. Um, yep. I really don't like uh, 
not only like grabbing three running backs through six and and that, but just that handcuffing that backfield. I just, I don't like that. I mean, I, I, I don't mind like the super cheap handcuffs. Like if you draft Saquon and you want to draft Devonta Booker super late to just make sure you're fine at the start of the year, like I don't even hate that, but man, that is so pricey passing up on those wide receivers with James Robinson there. And then, you know, to have yeah, Russell yeah, Gage yeah. as your fourth wide receiver, like this build doesn't need Jamal Williams and JD McKissick. Once you've locked in mix in ETN. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of this team. I like it. the other you one. Guys, you guys were perfect. I, also, oh, yeah, go ahead. I would also not to pile on, <laughs> but I would also argue that, that you don't need the double tight end there with Hooper Ebron, even though they're cheap, but like you have Waller there. Uh, you, you passed on wide receivers in some pretty high value rounds, so I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be taking tight end. I'd, I'd still be trying to find some wide receiver upside with those All picks. Right. No, that that uh, that makes some sense. All right, you guys have been more than generous with your time. Really appreciate you guys. Anything to plug before we get you out of here and, and on your way? No, just uh, ship chasing. Like you said, we're every Wednesday at 915. We're going to be releasing a schedule soon of all of our draft streams and kind of stuff coming up. We're going to be doing a ton and then we will be out in Vegas for the main event. Are you going to be out there? Yeah, we'll be out there. I got an auction and a main event live, so we'll see there. Maybe I can take some more pictures. Yeah, I, I actually. <laughs> yeah, we need um, a photographer. So this is a, a, a little press yeah. box, a little press yeah. uh, thing in my jacket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pat. Anything on All your right. end? Of- no, no. We uh, we're excited to get out in Vegas. We're going to be drafting. I believe we have like over the course of August. There's a period where we have five main event drafts in five days. So you will be if so you're into awesome. watching people draft main events live. Um, we're, we're the place to be on the ship chasing YouTube. We'll have you covered there. Um, and I don't know what kind of content we'll be doing from Vegas. We're, we're probably going to be more uh, kind of enjoying the trip, doing a little kind of uh, a party on, uh, what is it, Friday night after we do our draft. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're, uh, we're just kind of looking forward to really getting in the heart of main event season. All right, guys, appreciate your time. Thanks, everybody, for listening on the Goat District YouTube. Make sure you like, subscribe, and download if we have a story about a couple of billies get rich quick man that seems kind of silly i mean from dynasty to redraft really ain't no way they about to make this quarter milli feel me nah man i really don't this the goat district they win whenever they want this the big time though they're playing against savants gotta wonder if they're prepared or if they'll bomb look Let's quick run through a checklist I only got a minute but I want you to get this Experience, yes Evaluation, yes BBD, yes Sleeper picks, yes Well sheesh, now you get it I ain't even lying Go ahead, pick up the rhyme Spit a couple of lines Spill it out for people So they can feel it in their spine G-O-A-T Greatest of all time It's the corner Millie Billy's On a quest for the best FFPC is a test for the rest G-O-A-T Gonna flex, that's a yes Matter of fact, say less, say less it's the quarter milli billies on a quest for the best ffpc is a test for the rest g-o-a-t gonna flex that's a yes matter of fact say less say less